People all around the world love sport. From playing ball in the backyard through to the Olympic and Paralympic podiums, the majority of the world's population play, watch and enjoy sport. Steve Dart from Play Hard Sports gives listeners the chance to meet people from across the world of entertainment, sports and business who are affecting the way international sport is unfolding. So, with the combination of technology, passion, and great people wanting to tell their story, it gives rise to Play Hard Sports Behind the Games podcast. Today, we're down at Sydney at the National Sports Convention at Rose Hill Racecourse. On Play Hard Sports Behind the Games podcast, we've got Ed Sanderson. With a wide-ranging portfolio of experiences across the venue, events and sports and recreation sector, you have been seen as a collaborative and hands-on leader, able to deliver new perspectives that produce tangible results. That sounds pretty good. How are you? Yeah, thanks, Steve. <laughs> You're the Director in Sports and Recreation of Australia's leading community, a sports precinct. What's a day in life like for you? Yeah, interesting, Steve. So we, um, I oversee sport and recreation activity across Centennial Parkland so, and Sydney's Botanic Gardens. I work for an organisation that looks after 1,100 hectares of government parks and gardens across Sydney. Um, Centennial Park is, is, is really my hub and where 95% of my time and effort is, is uh, spent with its 400 hectares of combination of three parks. Um, we provide activity for up to 39 sports, I think it was last count, wow. um, across our precinct. Um, over 40 sports playing fields dedicated to rugby, soccer, football, touch is huge um, in our environment. And then a number of other specialty venues, so ES Marks um, is an athletics facility, a small athletic stadium. Uh, we've got an equestrian centre, it's the closest equestrian centre to an urban CBD location anywhere in the world. Um, houses 220 horses and five riding schools. Look after Australia's busiest public golf facility, Moorpark Golf. Um, and then obviously a huge range of just other uh, recreational activities that people enjoy um, throughout the park, including probably Sydney's busiest cycling um, destination um, and also you know, multiple running tracks and walking paths. Mate, you're, um, a bit of back history on you. Where did you go to school? What was your academic life? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Sydney. Um, you asked what my academics was like. I, you know, we might just leave that question. Really? But it's interesting. I, um, as a sports professional, when I finished um, high school, my parents said to me, so, you know, what are you going to do now? As I'm sure they said to every 18-year-old boy or most 18-year-old boys. And yeah. the only thing, and my answer was, well, there's only one thing I care about, and that's my sport and, right. you, know, um, you know, playing my, my dedicated sports. And um, so that headed me down a path. I did a, a sports business degree. Um, while I was at university in my last year, I just lucked upon a job at the Institute of Sport in Canberra. Wow. And I thought, what better place to be as a young sport professional to be in the home of, of sport, you know, amongst athletes and people like Andrew Bogut and Paddy Mills and these basketballers were there when I was there, um, you know, rubbing shoulders with Pat Johnson, the, yeah. the, the Olympic sprinter. Um, so just being surrounded by that environment and that sort of that high-performance environment, um, you know, just sort of created me or, or headed me on a path that I've, I've been on ever since. So, um, you know, I was, I was certainly not an academic and I certainly didn't have a lot of opportunities when I left high school. But, um, you know, following your passion, you're able to, you're able to find something you love and um, it's worked for me ever since. What about a memorable moment from that time, mate? Anything really stand, stand out? Yeah, I mean, all sorts of things. So I, I, spent, I spent a lot of time um, working in the facilities and event management um, area and things come to mind, um, you know, Challenging and challenging moments. We had a 
the Women's National Basketball League Grand Final, and we had a light uh, catch a light in the roof, and you know had to reschedule it and wow. work through challenges with people like Lauren Jackson playing for the Capitals at the time and broadcasting and those sorts of things. Yeah. Everything from doing special things for people like Matt Shervington and Pat Johnson. Um, you know, I remember one incident I was. I was just working at the athletics track in, in Canberra there and, um, you know, Matt Shermington forgot some of his gear and, you know, I offered him to grab it for him and took his key to his room and, you know, grabbed his training gear for him and just those little things, yeah. um, you know, sort of stick out in the moments with athletes. Um, I've been fortunate, I guess, in my time through various events and venue management fields to rub shoulders with a lot of, you know, famous people. Um, yeah. You know, and I've always tried to just take the moment as it is, and you know, they're, they're people no different to us, but they're probably the moments that really stick with you. Mate, you say you're a life learner. What do you mean? Yeah, I, I guess um, by life learning, I mean, um, you know, I'm by no means a genius. Um, you know, I'm, I'd like to think I'm just as as average as you know anyone else. Um, but through putting myself in challenging situations, challenging positions, I spent three years working in Macau, China, wow. um, building a, a new indoor stadium there, and um, putting myself in difficult positions and challenges I've just learnt from and, and gained experience through and um, and that's, you know, I guess that's what I refer to as being a life learner. I've learnt mm. through my experiences, um, those around me. I, You know, a simple philosophy, I like to listen a lot more than I like to talk, mm-hmm. um, you know, and try and learn as much as I can from being in environments that um, expose me to new things and, and then take that into everyday life. Was China an eye-opener for you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, three hundred million basketball players at street level. Yeah, How's that? it's um, it's unbelievable. And so, I, I was there in two thousand and seven um, to two thousand and eleven. Um, I worked for a, an organisation, um, a massive casino organisation um, mm-hmm. that operates the world's biggest casino business across the globe. Um, we built a at the moment at the time it was the world's third biggest building, and we built a fifteen thousand seat arena associated with it, much yeah. on the model of a Vegas hotel and. I mentioned earlier that, you know, rubbing shoulders with athletes, one of the first events we did was we had three NBA basketball teams there that um, used it as their pre-season training leading into an NBA season. And, you know, I was spending time, um, you know, kicking balls back to people like LeBron James and these guys. Um, on the on the flip side, it was a it was a really interesting environment. We had a lot of big American acts would come through this arena, and and we'd have to balance that out with Asian acts. Um, it's a challenging business environment, um, a challenging professional environment, working with, um, you know, in an Asian environment with an American organisation that wanted things to be exactly sure. how they'd seen it in Vegas. Sure. Um, but again, I was. I was 25, 26, 27 at the time, um, you know, putting myself in positions that, um, you know, I'd go home at night and just go, what the hell happened that day? Um, but somehow, would, you know, get through it and learn from it and use that to, to do other things. Mate, that's awesome. You've built your credentials on best practice for international experiences. Explain that. Yeah, I just think um, coming back to this life learning sort of philosophy and listening and trying to learn from people, um, just putting myself in positions um, around people that I think are experts, best practice operators in their fields. Um, I spend a lot of time, no matter what role um, I'm operating in or or looking at or exploring, making sure um, the position is surrounded by people that I think can bring really good expertise and support me in whatever my endeavours are. So I've been really fortunate to have always worked with um, some outstanding leaders, um, whether it be in my current role or previous roles, um, people like John Harden, who was the CEO of the Cricket World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I worked with him through the Adelaide Oval redevelopment. Yeah. Kim Ellis at the moment um, you know, is a long-standing professional with um, significant background in um, significant infrastructure. He's got a really strong background in airports and is used to doing things 
in places that matter to people and, and high visitation areas, and it, it relates um, closely to, to the current environment in the parklands and, and the gardens. So again, just being exposed to these people, um, you know, has taught me a lot, and, and then I've been able to apply that. Um, those philosophies and operating practices back down through through my teams and areas of influence. Yeah, great. Uh, you were a manager of venue and operations at Adelaide Oval South Australia Cricket Association. What are the challenges when managing a thirty-seven thousand seat stadium? Yeah, it's um it was certainly an interesting time when I was there. It was through a, a series of it was an eight hundred million dollar redevelopment through Adelaide Oval, to seeing what it is at the moment, which is um, phenomenal and, yeah. and full credit to them. Um, yeah, it was it's really interesting. I think. In these areas, um, I've always said to people, I'm fortunate. I work for, I work in places that matter to people. So whether it be sport participants, whether it be attendees to events, whether it be um, activating community sport like I do in the parklands at the moment, um, people care about um, or have cared about the environments in which I work. And whilst that presents certainly its challenges, it's obviously its pluses there. You know, I enjoy the fact that people are passionate about. Um, the things that I do. So Adelaide Oval was um, a prime example of just trying to um, manage a whole lot of different significant stakeholders. So we had the government spending considerable funds on redeveloping the facility um, in readiness for AFL football to play there. Cricket was a a tenanted host and had been a long-term tenant for a long time, were my employer. So just trying to make accommodate their needs uh, through a design and development stage, working through um, significant events like test matches, rugby seven tournaments, um, through construction, through development um, and having to work through a number of logistical operational challenges on the ground just meant being fleet of foot, being agile, having really good people around you that could support you. Sounds like that's where you really excel, right? Um, well, I like, to think, I like to think I can troubleshoot and solve yeah. um, pretty much you know, anything that's thrown in front of me and I think um, you know, my experience in putting myself in difficult positions has given me a really good um, base from which to, to you know, take some confidence yep. in, into those sorts of scenarios. Tell us a little bit about when you were at the London Olympics 2012. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. I mean, Great times. Again, um, prime example of just putting myself in a di- difficult position. Um, there's a gentleman I'd known for a long, long time. His name is Craig Lovett. He was, um, he's worked really closely with some big um, Australian event companies and um, he got in touch with me and said, Ed, I've got an opportunity in London. Would you be interested in coming over and doing seven weeks at, um, at a ridiculously busy venue um, at the London Olympics? I need you to run the operations on site. Um, I was fortunate I was in a position with my current employer that I could make it work. Um, right. So they said, jump on the plane and go and do it. And I literally landed in London, um, lived out of a container for seven weeks and had to deploy a million man hours across the beach volleyball amazing. venue and the and the venue that hosted um, road running and road cycling. Um, It's one of the only venues that had um, activity every single day of the Olympics. Um, And on some days, we'd often have three sessions, so 16,000 people per session three times um, in a day. So huge amount of man hours, scheduling staff, dealing with staff, managing with staff. And then the deployment challenges of the Olympic Games, we were using um, people from Eastern European backgrounds, um, Southern European backgrounds, Northern African backgrounds to, to just manage the numbers and the man hours we needed. Um, we were supporting a lot of um, essential event services, cleaning, merchandise, ushering staff and the like. Um, it was just a, a huge, intense operation, which at the end of it um, was hugely fulfilling um, you know, again, gave me a lot of confidence for just dealing with difficult situations, you know, in my professional, obviously, career. What did you think of the Olympics? Unbelievable. I thought London did a, London did an absolutely phenomenal job. I hadn't been to, um, 
to, to London before the Olympics. Yep. Um, but it was it was just the environment uh, reminded me very much of being exposed to the Sydney Olympics. You were there too. Um, yeah, yeah. I was obviously a lot younger. Yep. Um, you know, I was eighteen, high school at the time. Sure. Um, but you know, just the party atmosphere, the collective um, feel around the city and from the people that this was a time of celebration and a time to um, enjoy the city was you know was great to be a part of. Are you a risk taker? I would say I'm absolutely a risk taker, but it's all calculated risk. Um, it's risk that I've. Um, would have very much um, evaluated prior to yeah. taking that step, um, you know. But whether it be professional in actions I take, trying to do things in my working environment or personal, um, you know, I, I believe um, no pain, no gain. So there's, you know, there's going to be a bit of, a, a, you know, there needs to be a challenge if it's worth, it's worth something um, that you know that you want to achieve. There needs to be a challenge there. But um, you know, I think as long as you evaluate and you understand the risk you're taking on, then. Um, by all means, go for it. So what's the biggest risk you've ever taken? Um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, professionally or personally. Um, Let's go one or the other. Yeah, I think um, professionally, I think there's, it's always a big step, changing a role. Um, you know, in 2007, I had a very stable job, um, you know, running a big a big event in, in Australian government. Um, I took a step and moved to Macau, China, that I've that I've um, sort of talked you through that environment. But, yeah. um, you know, I was, I was going to an unknown. It was a foreign environment. Um, I hadn't, hadn't had a, a great understanding of the people that I was working with. Um, but, again, it was, I ended up working with a really great team, developing some really good relationships that are, you know, best friends even to this day um, and just enjoying the challenge. Um, I, knew, I knew the risk that I was taking. I knew the change that I was going to be, you know, having to partake on, whether it be... As in, a, in a professional environment, but also personally, as a, in, you know, in life, there was, um, you know, at the time in Macau, there wasn't a huge amount of Western food. It was a very different just mm-hmm. environment to live in. I did, I don't speak Chinese, um, you know, either Mandarin or Cantonese. So it was, you know, it was a learning experience. But um, I just embraced it. What's the biggest mistake you've made in your life and overcome it? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Steve. I don't, I don't live my life with a lot of regrets. Um, you know, if if I make a decision, it's um, it's it's based on um, like a sound um, a sound thought process, um, full commitment to it. Um, so it's you know it's not a question I can answer off the top of my head without a lot of um, without a lot of forethought. There's obviously you know I'm a I'm 34 now. Of you know there's been things I'm not proud of that I've done as you know just as a as a young man. And I'm sure most people have been through that to some degree. Um, but I, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing I could say that's a, you know, really a big mistake or a, or a, or a big regret. How was your time at the AIS? Yeah, um, fantastic. Um, as a 22-year-old just finishing a sports degree in university, what better place to start your career? Again, great exposure to um, some of the things that really matter to sport. You know, which is the high performance um, elements and and um, putting people in a position to really um, succeed. And one of the things that really came out of that was I was there for nearly four years and I got to see athletes' evolution and their hard work. Well and um, I got to see them come through, you know, a commitment of, you know, three or four years out from Olympics, what it would take, um, you know, the, the the drive and also some of the sacrifice that they'd have to put in. And, um, you know, I think it's prevalent in, um, in people's everyday lives, whether they're, you know, high-performing athletes or... Um, you know, or, or something else. Um, you know, things things that are worth achieving or worth going for are often often the hardest to um, to chase after. What's the future hold for you, mate? Um, yeah, Steve. Interesting. I mean, I 
I haven't been... My, Sydney's my home. Um, this is the first role I've had in Sydney for, for, for 10 years. I've, you know, I've, like I've said, I've just embraced every challenge that's come my way, bigger and better, um, the more exciting as far as I'm concerned. So it's great. I'm really enjoying being back in Sydney. I've been back for three years. Um, you know, I'm, I'm married. I've got a kid on the way in December. Congratulations. Um, so there's probably some life, um, some life curves ahead of me that I'll, you know, like with everything else, I'll embrace um, yeah. and, and see where it takes me. I'm... You know, I'll continue to do what I've always done, I think, which is whatever's around the corner, as long as it's bigger, better and more challenging and more interesting and exciting and there's a good story out the back of it, I'll, uh, I'll take it on. So You'll be a great dad. What are you what looking happens. forward about being a father? Um, yeah, just, just being able to you know, support and build a relationship. And, um, you know, it's, uh, my, my wife has been, you know, probably could have happened three or four years ago you know, in, in her perfect world. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's... All my mates are at that age. Um, my friends at that age when they're having kids. So, who is Mrs. Sanderson? <laughs> Very interesting. I, um, <laughs> is it? I met I met my wife while I was in in China. Okay. Um, you're not going to believe this, Steve, but she was a Cirque du Soleil performer. What? So in this Vegas model casino in Macau. Come on, let's hear this one. In Macau. Yep. <laughs> we um we had a resident Cirque du Soleil show, and yep. I was over there. I was working in this arena, and at the same time. This theatre was was being set up, and I was helping them establish that just through my experience that I'd had in this arena. Yep. And um, in fly a hundred acrobats and circus performers from all over the world, and you know, it's no different to any show you've ever seen of yeah. Cirque du Soleil. You could ima- you could imagine. Um, and my wife, um, I met I met this young lady at the time. Um, she's from Argentina. Um, she was a world champion gymnast and a performer in the show. And we um, built a relationship. She moved from Macau to Adelaide with me. Hang on, hang on. How did you meet her? Like, you were just watching the show, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> um, oh, it's, you know, where do I go? How long have you got? Um, no, we, we, funny enough, we met in a bar with some, there were some Australian acrobats that I'd, you know, I'd, I'd become friends with and they introduced us. Um, you know, and we spent, we are probably together for two years in Macau before we, before we left. And, um, you know, she's, she's very similar to me, you know, loves a challenge, loves... You know, a new experience. She's moved all over the world, um, you know, through her time. She spent a lot of time in America and obviously Argentina growing up. Um, now, you know, living with me in Sydney. That's fantastic. What a great story. I asked all my uh, guests this, Ed. If you could place a phone call to yourself at 20, what advice would you give to yourself? Um, I've got one life philosophy, um, which is bite off more than you can chew and chew like buggery. Right. Um, you know, and I would, I would just say whether it be... Um, myself in the past or you know a long way in the past or recently um, keep going you've enjoyed it so far um, it turns out all right no matter what anyone says um, and keep going for it uh, it's Anderson it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you you're a great guy um, enjoy the rest of the afternoon here and I wish you well thanks Steve Cheers.